Friends was an American TV sitcom series which ran for 10 seasons between 1994 and 2004. It was one of the most successful TV shows of all time. In fact, the series finale was watched by over 52.5 million viewers in the US alone. And it's still shown, repeats of it are still shown every day on UK TV. In fact, this week there's been a reunion 17 years after the first series ended and um, it's been watched by millions of people. The show revolved around the lives of six friends, following the stories of their personal and professional lives. At the heart of the show was their friendship, friends. And I've called this talk this morning, New Friendships. Because friendship is at the heart of Christianity. And if it's at the heart of Christianity, it should be at the heart of church life. Christianity is first and foremost about a person, not a philosophy. It's about a relationship, not about rules or regulations. And it's about the most important relationship of all, our relationship with God, made possible because of Jesus. We were all created to be in a relationship with God, a friendship with God. There's a lovely uh, passage at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter three, and we have this beautiful picture portrayed of God's desire to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden. It was something that was part of their relationship, walking together. But when that relationship was damaged by sin, when Adam and Eve were tempted by the devil to disobey God, that rebellion caused a breakdown in that relationship and the relationships with one another. They had lost that intimate walk with God. And that breakdown has been evident ever since throughout the history of mankind and through all creation. Since then, we have all followed Adam and Eve. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that is why Jesus came to rescue us, to redeem the world, to restore our relationship with God and our friendship with God and one another. He came to deal with sin, that barrier between us and God, to deal with its power, its penalty, and one day its very presence and to enable our broken relationship with God to be restored. A restored relationship with God was part of Jesus's redemptive plan as he died on the cross for us. And there's no more important thing and no greater privilege in life than to be a friend of Jesus. In fact, Jesus, when he walked on this earth, and talked with his disciples, he, he said to them, you are my friends. He called those who followed him and believed in him his friends. He called disciples to himself, come follow me, he said. He had a close group of friends who were with him, men and women who followed him and took care of his needs. They had been transformed by his love. He had a closer group that he called apostles, 12 of them, 
12 was a significant number reflecting the 12 tribes of Israel. And then within that 12, he had a smaller group of friends, Peter, James, and John. And together they shared some more intimate moments together. And out of those three, John himself describes his own relationship with Jesus as being a beloved disciple. Maybe he was claiming to be Jesus's bestie, but we don't know. We are all beloved of Jesus. Maybe John just knew the truth of that. It's to John that actually Jesus entrusts his mother at the cross when Jesus dies. And we have the privilege of spending as much time as we want with Jesus. We can walk with him every day. And in fact, he has promised that he is always with us and will never leave us or forsake us. He has given us the gift of his Holy Spirit. We celebrated that last week on the day of Pentecost to be with us. God at his closest to us, in us. And as a friend of Jesus, we are invited into new friendships with his other friends, the believers, those who belong to the church. So in this letter that Paul writes to the Philippians, he is calling for unity in the church. He is calling for the believers to be more like Jesus in their relationships with one another. And he also calls them his dear, beloved friends. Paul puts friendship at the heart of church life. And he illustrates this friendship with reference to two of his closest friends, Timothy and Epaphroditus. This is what Christian friendship can look like. Jesus had made them friends. They were very different men, different backgrounds, different ages, different experiences, but in Jesus they had become great friends. C.S. Lewis wrote that modern society has lost much of the value of true friendship. To the ancients, he writes, filial love, you know that in Greek there are different words for love. Filial love is friendship love. He says that is the most happy and fully human of all loves. Obviously, the greatest love of all is agape love. That's God's unconditional love for each one of us, expressed in his grace and his forgiveness, his death for us on the cross. C.S. Lewis says that our culture has overemphasized eros love, that sensual love, sexual love. It's why we're so confused and at times so messed up. It's also maybe why there's an epidemic of loneliness in our time. I remember a few years ago, one of the residents of the town here was talking to my wife, Hermie, and they were saying how lonely they were. They hadn't made any friends. And I remember when Hermie came back and told me how sad I was about that and just reflecting that we were part of a church where we had hundreds of friends. In fact, God says he puts the lonely in families. That's from Psalm 68, verse 6. He puts people within his family. The church is a place of friendship. And Paul addresses them, my dear friends. And so in verses 19 to 30, we get an insight into these friendships. They're based on genuine love. They're based on a common vision and they're based on joint risks and battles. Genuine love. 
Paul was once a proud Pharisee. He would have had nothing to do with Gentiles. But now he introduces two of his dear friends, Timothy, whose mother was a Jew, but father was a Gentile. We don't know if Timothy became a Christian through Paul's ministry. We know that his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois were believers, followers of Jesus. But in this um, letter and in other letters, Paul describes Timothy as his son in the Lord. And it will be to Timothy that Paul writes probably his last letter before he dies uh, to Timothy, where he says these amazing words, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. He and Timothy had been through so much together, they were close friends. And here, Paul pays tribute to his friend, Timothy. I have no one else like him who shows genuine love and concern for all of you. Paul reflects that in the world, most people look out for their own interests. Timothy looked out for the interests of others. Paul saw in Timothy a Christ-likeness, a Christ-like quality. Now Paul is wanting to send Timothy back to the Philippians so that he might have news of them. Timothy was unselfish. Gladstone once said that selfishness is the greatest curse of the human race. But Timothy showed genuine concern for the Philippians, as did the other friend, Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was part of the church in Philippi. He may even be one of the leaders. And he was sent on behalf of the church to take care of Paul's needs. He too was a selfless, loyal friend to Paul. He nearly died in that service. And it's really interesting that Paul includes in this letter these personal details that Epaphroditus didn't want the Philippian church to know that he had nearly died, how ill he had been. He didn't want them to be in distress about it. But here Paul makes it known. That happens all the time in church life. This week, someone has rung me and talked about something, but they didn't want other people to know in case they worried about it. I guess I'm a bit like Paul. I'd want people to know so that they could pray. It is a truth that those who are only interested in themselves, however, rarely make friends. Don't know if you've heard of a guy called Dale Carnegie. You may not recognize the name, but you will have heard of his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. He says, you will make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you will in two years by trying to get people interested in you. It's fascinating, isn't it? And one of the testimonies that I'm pleased to hear again and again from people who become part of this church is that when they become part of the church, they make new friends that the church is made up of such lovely people who take a genuine interest in you. And that, what they experience, is God's love that we share together. It's authentic, it's real, it's almost tangible. That is how we shine like stars in the sky, says Paul in this chapter in verse 15. And also friendship is one of the most effective tools of evangelism because friendship is genuine. People can spot a fake a mile off 
being someone's friend can bring them to Christ. Timothy and Epaphroditus had genuine love. And this is a call for us as we want to be more like Jesus, to have that genuine love for one another. The second point is that they shared a common vision. Most friendships are forged through common interests, doing things we enjoy together. It's often why we join clubs, whether it be an interest in sports or walking or reading or even slimming, you meet new friends. As a believer and a follower of Jesus, we have something in common that is amazing, a common vision, a common love for the Lord Jesus Christ who has saved us and a love for his kingdom and his people. We're not only just friends, but we are family as well, brothers and sisters in Christ. Notice how Paul um, describes his friend Epaphroditus. He says he is my brother, a co-worker, a fellow soldier, a brother belonging to the same family, a co-worker laboring towards the same goal, and a fellow soldier sharing the same trials, fighting on the same side. Epaphroditus was a man of obvious devotion and faithfulness and self-sacrifice. He also put the interests of others first, before himself, modelling that mind of Christ. What a great prayer triplet, Paul, Timothy and Epaphroditus. I remember for many years I was part of a prayer triplet and the, the three of us would gather. We couldn't be more different. There was a professional sportsman, an accountant and a church minister. But we were brothers in Christ, co-workers and fellow soldiers. We loved Jesus and that trumped everything else. And it should with us in our lives. Jesus loves every one of us. Everyone he has made, he loves, but he has chosen his family, brothers and sisters, his friends. In John 15, verse 16, Jesus says, I have chosen you. You didn't choose me. I have chosen you. Wow, what a privilege to be chosen by Jesus. And he calls us friends. We all need friends. Brothers and sisters who will cheer us in our walk with God, counsel us, call us to account if we need it. Friends who will stand with us in the difficult times and laugh with us in the good times. The church is a team and teams share a common goal. I love this picture of teammates celebrating a special goal. Actually, the goal was scored by the Liverpool goalkeeper in the last minute of extra time in a match. He ran the length of the pitch to help out his teammates and scored the goal which won the match. Look at the joy and delight, the friendship of teammates together celebrating that common goal. Even more important than that, even more exciting than that, this goalkeeper is a Christian and he has led others of his teammates to Christ Jesus, even baptizing them. 
There is no more important thing we can do as a friend of Jesus is to invite others to be his friends too. You may say, I'm not an evangelist, I'm not a great speaker, but you can be a friend to someone and talk about Jesus and invite them to be his friend too. Mission and friendship go hand in hand. And yes, it also involves risks and battles. That's my third point. One of the phrases Paul uses about Epaphroditus, his friend, is that he is a fellow soldier. The Christian life is not easy, and it's even harder on your own. Because we have an enemy, and we are in a battle. We do not face so much the same hardships and persecutions of much of the church around the world, but nevertheless, we are opposed, and we have an enemy who pursues us, who would love to see us fall away, would love to see the church divided and diverted, marginalized, even destroyed. But Jesus has given us his Holy Spirit and a new purpose for living. And there is nothing that can separate us from his love. And Jesus promises that he will build his church. But we need to be on guard against the enemy's schemes. Epaphroditus risked his life to serve Jesus, to serve Paul and the gospel. What a mark of extraordinary friendship. Jesus said in John 15, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. This is what Jesus did for us. He laid down his life for us, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. He humbled himself and became nothing, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus himself made himself vulnerable, took risks, and was even betrayed by one of his closest friends. Friendship does involve risk. There is always that risk of rejection, of hurt, even betrayal. And sometimes even friends fall out over things. Paul fell out with another friend called Barnabas. It happens. It's sad when it does. But we must not shy away from that risk of loving one another, being friends of God and friends with each other, not looking to our own interests, but to the interests of others. This is also where true joy is found. Joyful living in Christ Jesus and so Paul commends his friends to the church. He says of Epaphroditus, for they are to welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour those like him. Let's honour one another in the way that we deal with one another, befriend one another, look out for one another. I say again, there is nothing more important or greater privilege in life than to be a friend of Jesus and a friend to his friends. Paul encourages the believers in Philippi to be more like Jesus, to have the mind of Christ. He calls them dear friends and he reveals to them what it means to walk with Jesus in that way. So let's cultivate 
a growing friendship with Jesus by spending more time with him, walking with him, praying, listening to him through his word, and then seeking to be a friend to others and befriending others who may not know him yet. May God bless you as you seek to follow him in the coming days. And may you be a friend, a friend of God and a friend of his people and a friend of those who are seeking for him. Amen.